0: Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week by week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website growmybaby.com.au
1: The information in this podcast is provided for education and research information only. It is not a substitute for professional health advice.
0: If you're trying to get pregnant, or you are pregnant, and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney.
1: And I'm obstetrician, Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our pregnancy knowledge checker to help you feel like you've got this.
0: Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm Bridget Maloney.
1: And I'm obstetrician, Dr. Patrick Maloney.
0: And we've got another Q&A.
1: Awesome.
0: We have so many Q&As that I just want to um, get a few episodes done so people can feel like they can have a mm, semi-timely answer to their questions. Yeah,
1: because if you contact us with something at 36 weeks and we give you the answer like <laughs> 10 weeks later, it's <laughs> pro- probably had the baby, yeah. hope everything went well.
0: Yes. And it's a bit hard because we do big block recording sessions, so... That's the only way we can manage it with um, Pat as an obstetrician gynecologist in a super busy clinic, me, I don't know what I do, but I tend to have no time ever.
1: <laughs> so Absolutely. So, yeah, so we will record a, um, a few episodes uh, in, in a row Yeah. Um, and uh, hope these Q&A ones are, are useful to people. I think they're fun. Yeah,
0: I think they're fun too. I like listening to your answers. All right, uh, let's have a speak pipe.
1: Perfect here we
0: go
2: hi guys my name's madeline i'm currently 21 weeks pregnant i have a question and it is are you allowed to ask for a different midwife during your labor if you are not getting along or have the same um have the same values and beliefs
1: Fantastic question.
0: Such a tricky situation, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, you kind of, yeah. So, in a standard setup um, in Australia, everyone's got a midwife looking after them throughout the um, birth, labor, and, and delivery. But the, um, you know, that's someone who's assigned to them, mm. not typically someone who they've met before or has been involved in their antenatal care. Yeah. That's how things usually work in Australia. So, um, yeah, you can ask, but it might not be possible. Um, we we don't have enough midwives. Yeah, there's
0: a real shortage. I'm not sure whether this is the same everywhere in the world, but in Australia, there is a real staff shortage yep. in the mid midwifery area.
1: Yeah, so that just might not be something that can be done. I think I think a positive way of looking at this question is to is a reminder of the importance of of you know make a make a birth plan. Mm. If and and you know our our birth plans, we're always saying to people keep them open minded, include. How you would go if if um, intervention or um, change of plan is necessary, and open up at the start. Nothing, agenda item number one on the birth plan is: I understand birth can be complicated. I'm I'm interested in the views of my um, carers, but here's how I would like things to go. Mm. And the more we tell people how we would like them to go, the more that person can say, "Fine, that's mm. good. We'll do our best to bring that about."
0: Yeah, I. I absolutely love our birth plan because uh, we go through it as if it's not a linear process and the birth process isn't linear. You know, you've got to have, if this happens, these are the questions I want to ask. If this happens, these are the questions that I want to ask. And if you can have that time with your midwife and just say, hey, I want to get on the right page with you. Can we just um, go and have a look at this yeah. birth plan
1: so a bit a, a good a really good birth plan can can alert that midwife at the very start of the day mm. uh, here I'm someone with lots of knowledge I'm someone who likes things to be discussed with me, and here are my um, here's my ideal approach to it mm. great and, way to get off on the right foot
0: and if you don't if they say, look you know we're really short staff there's nobody else here I'm it, maybe you know and you can't get on the right, the same page. Your partner, your um, birth support person, they might have to step up a little bit more. Yep. Yep. So that's another sort of plug for them to be learning all of this as well. So they know why you might be distressed or why your values aren't the same or you feel they're not the same as the midwife that's caring for you. Yeah. It's really important.
1: Yep. And it's certainly part of the job of the person who's caring for you. To be aware if there's some sort of interpersonal conflict or major discrepancy in how you feel about things, and um, respond appropriately.
0: I just want to say too, at any time in your pregnancy, care, and birth, you can always ask for a different provider.
1: Yeah, 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 you can.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people feel like you know they've started with one, and therefore they have to Stuck. be wedded. Yeah, well, wedded with that person. No, but... it
1: doesn't really work that way. It's you know, you can you can choose.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right, I'm going to read the next one, Pat. Um, this is from Catherine. Hi there. Thank you for your pod. It seems to answer the questions I didn't know I had. I had my first baby 12 months ago via rotational forceps vaginal delivery. I've just listened to your most recent pod about vaginal versus C-section delivery. Dr. Pat mentioned the increased risk of surgery, relevant prolapse later on in life. I'm wondering if I would see potential signs of this now.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep.
0: And then my OB did give me the option of forceps or C-section when they realized the baby was in the wrong spot. Posterior, looking up rather than chin to chest, um, and then she has a second question. But let's let's answer that, and then we'll go on to the next question. Okay.
1: So uh, I I didn't mean to suggest that uh, rotational forceps was necessarily you know inappropriate. Sounds like it went very well in your case. I guess what I was saying was that a known risk of rotational forceps deliveries is a certain type of damage to the pelvic floor that can commonly require. Surgery later on, but you wouldn't know that now. You, no. wouldn't, you wouldn't know or feel that now. It's something that happens years later. Mm. Yeah, and because of the because of that, as a known potential risk of um of rot- rotational forceps delivery, uh, some obstetricians don't do that or recommend against it.
0: Now we've got a whole prolapse episode um, that we're going to record today. It'll be yeah. released in you know around this time. So. Um, listen to that too, yep. because I think what we'll go on to talk about is how somebody would would know that they've got a prolapse.
1: Yeah, sure. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you had a prolapse right now, you would you would know. And uh, we're talking with when it, with specific reference to rotational forces, we're talking about damage to pelvic floor that may not be immediately obvious, but can come back to be a problem in the future.
0: And she says that her OB did give the option of forceps or C-section when they realised the baby was posterior and was looking up rather than chin to chest.
1: Yeah, I think that's good care. Yeah, yeah. To say, look, here's 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 the options. Yeah. And uh, if you've got an obstetrician with the skills to do a rotational forceps delivery and feels they can do it safely and well, fantastic. Um, uh, otherwise, some people would some people might say, yeah, I understand you can get the baby out that way, but I'm concerned about the effect that might have on my body. I'd rather have a section, please.
0: Mm. Mm. And it's hard if your um, mindset is vaginal birth at all costs. Yeah.
1: Yes. And and, and I guess that's why, you know, through these podcasts and our program and so forth, we want to bring this discussion into Mm. the light of day so that people can have a think about it before it becomes an issue. Yeah. Certainly if you're there, uh, fully dilated, OP. Uh, it's a difficult time to have a conversation about the pros and cons yeah, yeah. of rotational forces versus caesarean section. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You've got to go into that situation already knowing the questions that you want to ask. Yeah. I think
1: so, mm. yeah. And I, think, I I don't think it's overcomplicating a birth plan situation to encourage people to have a think about that in advance. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I think she gives us a little hint on how the birth went because the next question is, I'd also love to hear more positive stats about second vaginal births after a second to third degree tear and posterior babies, so she's I'm assuming from that she's had a second to oh, third degree tear i yeah. guess
1: I guess maybe yeah mm. um and look that's um you know that that happens um a bit with forceps deliveries um it can happen with a non forceps delivery, so if we look at that as a separate question. And we say, if I've had a second or a third degree tear with my uh, first baby, um, but I expect my second vaginal birth to go way better, then is it reasonable to have the, my second, third, fourth baby vaginally? Mm. And I really think the answer in a lot of cases is yes. Um, if, damage is, if some damage has already been done to the pelvic floor, things have been stretched, um, but the tear bit was expertly managed, then uh, then it, I think it is reasonable to assume that because of that stretching from the first uh, vaginal birth that the other babies will come out much better. Mm. And then at the very end of the day, if I've finished my family, if I've got any pelvic floor dysfunction at that time, I'll have it managed then. Yeah. Other people feel differently. Other people say, no, didn't appreciate that large episiotomy or didn't appreciate that big tear or didn't appreciate the... Th- third degree tear and i don't like the risks involved in that happening again mm. therefore i'll have future babies by cesarean section mm. and you got to you got to personalize that that the response to that depends what people are most um, interested in as the birth outcome and most concerned about of the negative birth, of the negative outcomes mm. yeah.
0: and you know it's a constant discussion if you're um, thinking of Becoming pregnant again, or why you are pregnant, it's the discussion that you can have with your OB. Like you just have to keep having that conversation, and until you, you know you feel like that's fleshed out, and you can come to a really confident decision.
1: Absolutely, and this this happens all the time. Mm. Lots of those outcomes that we don't like, in third degree tears or um, uh, uh, trauma to the vaginal skin, that's a real first baby thing to happen, mm. and it's a complicated discussion to have with someone the next time around to say yes those things could happen again but they probably won't mm. and then sometimes the people say well what if they do and so uh and so um it's a, it's a conversation that needs a little bit of work mm. in most cases if people have achieved a vaginal birth for their first baby even one with intervention or even one with some uh with some uh, pelvic floor trauma um they're still reasonably keen to have the remainder of the babies vaginally. Mm. And it's and it's roughly true that the other babies will come out easier.
0: Yeah. yeah. Good luck, Catherine. I think you're on the right track there with your questions. Patty will go on to SpeakPak. Hey, Dr. Pat and Bridget.
2: Thanks so much for your podcast. Um, my name's Jessie and I am looking at getting pregnant. Currently, I am taking some Ponstan and Urofen and things like that, the um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs for pain. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are um, when you're trying to conceive. Thanks.
1: Yeah, great question. I don't have a problem with anti-inflammatory and trying to conceive. Mm. We do prefer people don't use anti-inflammatory in pregnancy. Mm. Yeah, there are some known, there are some known um, risks of doing that. The odd dose here and there doesn't seem to be a problem, but Zero is a nice, easy message, um, and uh, and using anti inflamms, certainly using them regularly when you're pregnant is not a good idea. But in the trying to conceive phase, not a problem at all.
0: What about in the two week wait from you know potential conception to yeah? I just you're pregnant? I
1: would just stop with a positive pregnancy test, right? I think that would be very reasonable. Yeah, yeah.
0: And just taking anti inflamms and Ponston is Ponston. That's that's a typical sort of. Period pain. Yeah, it's probably
1: for pelvic pain. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we don't know this person's circumstances, but they're probably taking it for pelvic pain, perhaps endometriosis. Mm. Um, and I'm very, very comfortable with that being part of a, of a, regimen for controlling those things, as well as paracetamol, as well as wheat bag hot pack, as well as, um, exercise, as well as some hands-on therapy, as well as some big gun pain relievers if necessary, Mm. Um, and the time to reassess what we're taking is when we get the positive pregnancy test.
0: Good. All right. Excellent. Uh, I've got one to read. Um, Anonymous. Hi, Dr. Patton Bridget. Firstly, thanks for all your hard work you've put into the podcast. I would love to hear about secondary infertility and why this happens and how common it is. I recently seem to have heard many people mention how they struggled to get pregnant a second time and I'm worried that this might happen to me now that I'm 35. Is this something I should be concerned about? For reference, I got pregnant at 33 within a couple of months, had one miscarriage, then pregnant six weeks later and had a successful pregnancy.
2: You're listening to The Kick
1: with Dr Pat and Bridget. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy?
0: When I was pregnant all the time, Dr Pat.
1: Yeah, we get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts?
0: Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at.
1: It's taken us literally two years to put it together.
0: Two long, hard years, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given.
0: Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group.
1: We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? Uh, Pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four.
0: Oh, just all the people you need to hear from.
1: So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. Secondary infertility, great question. Secondary infertility is, you know, infertility being experienced by someone who has um, actually had a baby before. Um, And uh, it's something that we, I'm not sure whether we're seeing more of this than we used to, But I think it's something that is probably going up in its incidence as the age at first birth goes up because if you get a lot of um, fertility issues age-related, and if you have your first at 36, then by definition, you're going to be older when Mm. you have the second and older again when you have the third. And so more people are still trying for another baby as they come into their late 30s, perhaps 40s. Mm. Yep. So um if we accept that some of that apparent secondary infertility is in fact age related then then um that 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 explains i guess a lot of it. Mm. The way we tend to approach it um clinically is to do what we usually do take a careful history how long did it take to get pregnant the first time is the is this second the pregnancy we're trying to have now is it with the same partner um does the woman have uh, pelvic pain pain with intercourse things that suggest that there could be something that needs surgical correction. Um, uh, is the woman ovulating? Careful attention. Are you at a different body weight now than you used to be? And you know, I really, I in my for my own benefit in my own brain, I dumb I I dumb this down probably too dumb down for the patient, but in my brain it works. We've got ingre- we need it. We need sperms. Are they there or not, Dick? We need eggs. Are they there or not? And we need a safe place for them to get together inside the woman. Is that has that been established? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what we tend to do once if once we've sort of ruled out a missing ingredient is say, fine, we're now going to try at the perfect time of the month or a set number of months. If you're pregnant, fantastic. If you're not, we'll look at some reproductive assistance.
0: And I think secondary infertility comes as a bit of a shock to people. Like even when we got together and there's a six-year gap between our my second and our third. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to be any different. But you as the obstetrician in the room went, oh, Okay, well you're a little bit older <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's
1: just, I guess that's just the way we're trying to see problems. But, yeah, um, but
0: I would have I would have been shocked if I wasn't fertile. But I suppose that's what people have to deal with, you know. They are yeah. like, Well, we got pregnant really easily, quickly, you know, she got pregnant within two months, even though with a miscarriage she still got pregnant six weeks later. So, um, you know that's that's a reasonably quick time frame, yeah, yeah.
1: that's right. so I like I mean i I remember I remember being impressed with your optimism at the time and i and i I like to see that in patients. i I like to see people who've had no fertilities before fully expect to get pregnant again, even mm. even in their late days. Um what I do think it's important is that is that is that people are aware that the longer it takes, the more likely that there is to be a problem, mm. and that some of those problems are fixable and we don't want to just try forever and use up time that we could have been helping you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, this call is caller's 35, but say you're 39 and you think, oh, well, I'm, I've been pregnant before. I'll just keep trying, keep trying, and you just mm. keep trying for like a year. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that old thing, we've, we've covered this elsewhere in podcasts, mm-hmm. but that old thing about, you know, try for a year before asking for help, it's a bit different if you're older, mm. if you've got pelvic pain, if you've got a history of infertility, or if you've got an irregular cycle. Mm. Those things I'd be, I would be getting sorted out up front if yeah. I if I was trying to have a baby of thirty nine.
0: Do you want to answer a question about cholestasis?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, Pat, let's go on to another speak pipe. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Pat and Bridget. Um,
2: my name is Ashley. I'm currently sixteen weeks pregnant with my second baby. I would just like to know more about cholestasis. Um, I had it with my. First baby, but I got it towards the end and I never really understood what it was. I was just told I had it and that they were going to induce me because of it. So I'd love to know more about what it is and, you know, the risk factors and how common it is and what causes it, Um, especially as I'm coming into my second pregnancy, just being more aware of of what I could potentially get again and, and what it involves. Thank you.
0: Is this a bigger episode?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a really good question because the call, the caller says I'd like to know more about it, and so would we. Yeah. We 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 really don't know enough about this condition. Mm. Certainly, we don't know what causes it. Um, it's a form of um rare but not terribly rare um liver dysfunction that happens during pregnancy pregnancy called obstetric cholestasis, um, and uh, it 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 often um presents as severe itch during pregnancy, and Uh, if on blood tests we can see that the liver's not working properly. Mm. Uh, When I first trained in obstetrics, this was not thought to be a very uh, important thing. And then later on uh, the connection between obstetric cholestasis and poor pregnancy outcomes became clear, including um, a rise in the risk of term stillbirth Mm -hmm. in women with obstetric cholestasis. So it's become quite um, common to test for it if the woman's got itch or if she's had obstetric cholestasis before. To try and treat it, there's a treatment, Uh, and then to avoid the risk of term stillbirth by getting on with the birth earlier once we've reached a reasonable uh, um, uh, maturity of the pregnancy, perhaps 37 or 38 weeks, uh, to just cut that risk out. Mm.
0: And is it just how does it present? Is there itch all over, or
1: yeah? Um, there are a number of different um itches in in pregnancy, uh, and they they all need um uh they've they've often got a pattern. Mm. Um, so some itches it's on the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. Other ones itchy on the on the belly. Mm. Um, but um. A it, uh, no, serious itch in pregnancy is not a normal thing and needs assessment. Mm.
0: All right. I think that we should do a whole episode, um, itch in pregnancy. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. When you've got an itch, do yeah. you need to scratch it? Yep. Um,
1: Perceptoric cholestasis is really interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks, Ashley. Hopefully we'll get that out before um, the, the final sort of weeks of your pregnancy so <laughs> you have a bit more information. All right, it's on sleep. the list. It's on our list. Another speak pipe. You. <laughs> Hi there, my name's Vanessa, and I'm 18 weeks pregnant.
2: Um, my question relates to the results of the NIPT test and what actually gets sent to my obstetrician. So, my husband and I have decided not to find out the gender of our baby, um, but I just wanted to know whether or not the report that gets sent to my obstetrician actually includes the gender on there. So, does my obstetrician know what gender the gender of my baby? um even though i don't if you could answer that question that would be really helpful cuz then i'll stop reading into everything he says and trying to catch him <laughs> out thanks so much bye <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ter- terrific question well done uh yeah they do give us everything mm. um and it just because you say you don't want to know the um the baby's um, sex they the test finds it out because the test looks for the number of X and Y chromosomes. And that's because there are um, reasons to look at that. There are disorders of chromosome, of, of, of sex chromosome numbers. So, you you know, there's not just um, uh, XX and XY. You could have uh, uh, too many X's or too many Y's or not enough X's. Mm. And those are conditions that are relevant. So, that's a really Great question. Yeah. I and can
0: see how someone would read into everything. I know, right? And people- and Can I ask first, have you ever accidentally-
1: Blabbed you once? Oh my God. No, well, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I don't know that I've ever blabbed by accident, yeah. but I did tell someone it was a girl and it was a boy. Oh, Yeah.
0: <laughs> because
1: I just got wrong. This is before NIPS. Yeah. When we were just using ultrasound. Right. So I took a number of ultrasounds and were was convinced it was a girl and it was a boy. Wow. This person might be listening and might remember that this was sometime this was fifteen years ago, um, and uh, the baby came on New Year's Eve.
0: Whoa! Sorry, what did she say? She wanted a girl. She wanted. No, she was
1: happy. She wanted a boy. She wanted. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, so she was happy. But
0: had she set everything up like the probably. nursery? Oh my lord! Yeah, probably. Well, mm. she
1: already had girls, so I think that maybe she just was using the the same, the same, the, same the, sort the, of the set
0: of set of um, nursery and yeah. clothes. Yeah. yeah.
1: So um yeah uh but blabbed I don't think so except uh except the 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 to answer the question yeah they send us everything because mm. there are disorders of the number of x of, of x and y chromosomes so the test needs to look at x y chromosomes right even if you tick the boxes you don't want to know the test still reports that to the to the requesting clinician so um the the report says um that um that the test is apparently normal for. Trisomy twenty one, thirteen, and eighteen. Plus, there's a couple of other things that can be tested for, and it'll say that it'll have the the um, the report for that. And then you, in in the lab I use, it's on the second page. Yeah, right. Um, and on the second page, it'll say, uh, "Yep, here was the he was the sex chromosomes." Mm. Um, and uh, what the lab that I use it on the first page, it says that it was all fine, and you've got to come, you've got to look at the second page to find out. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, but we look after a lot of people and I don't, even if I have found out, I don't remember what someone's having. Yeah. So if I'm doing an ultrasound, we try our best not to say him or her, but if I, if I said either, it's not because I know, it's because it's just, um, it's a slip of the tongue.
0: And the obstetrician or the clinician might actually just refer to the fetus in a gender it, anyway, yes, by yeah. um, Just by, by, by by habit, yeah, yeah, by habit,
1: yeah, and a neutral term like they or something is probably better to use, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you do try and you do try and sort of catch them out because remember when we went um, to Melbourne to have a scan for um, uh, Sully and they said, and we said we didn't want to know, <laughs> and then the 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 extremely skilled um, ultrasound uh, um, uh, provider who's an old friend of ours. Uh, the one image where the uh, where you could have seen, he sort of had, had he'd sort of deliberately held the probe so that the cord was hanging down over the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so he couldn't tell. And he knew that I was trying to find out. Yeah, yeah. Even though I didn't want to know. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, know. I couldn't resist.
0: He did say it a couple of points, uh, Pat. You might just want to turn away <laughs> from the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I just I thought he was deliberately trying to hide it from. Yeah, his, yeah. yeah. So, so the, yeah, no, um, but but yeah, we find out, and there's nothing else on there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of times we've been asked to send the, the sex of the babies, the result to like a baker or something. Yep, for we? a yeah. gender reveal. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we do try to keep everything under our hats. All right, Pat, I've got another speak pipe. Hi,
2: Bridget and Doctor Pat. I'm a massive fan of the podcast, and I'm so happy that you're back making more episodes. And uh, so, my question is, I had. Her daughter last year, um, she was 4.2 kilos, but I'm quite tall myself. Her labour was 36 hours long with contractions every three to five minutes and lasting for up to a minute each. And they're pretty fierce contractions right from the start. Um, it took a while to really get anywhere and after a while they did figure out that she was in a posterior position with her chin tilted upwards um. And she really wasn't going anywhere, so I did end up in theatre with quite a big episiotomy and a forceps delivery. But it does make me wonder whether a subsequent birth, if the baby is in a good position, would they would I potentially have a quite a short labour? Um, with how well I was contracting. Um, to start with, like if she hadn't have been in such a poor position, potentially it may have been quicker. Um, or because she was big, with the next baby potentially being bigger, would I be likely to have the same scenario again? Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking about it and I'm really not too sure. <laughs> Thanks so much.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Well done for getting in, in touch. Tricky one. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. Tricky one. So we've, we've sort of talked about this issue um, a bit elsewhere, but um, you know, new new pregnancy is a new pregnancy. Mm. Um, the, the there were two obvious factors looking back on that very long labour. Um, that would that contributed to how long it was and how difficult it was to get that baby out. And the first one was that the it was a four point two kilo baby. That's mm. right up top end, top end, and um, and secondly, op, mm. uh, op's um, uh, posterior position. So baby come, babies. Uh, seeing they're trying to come out but looking up at the ceiling instead mm, of down. Pushed, down pushed down the floor. it
0: out though. <laughs> well
1: it well, sounds like with a uh, forceps, is that right?
0: Yeah, forceps and a large episiotomy. Yeah.
1: So you know, tricky one. Mm. So um the, the the question of course is what's the best thing to do next time? And the answer is hard to know. Mm. Yeah. Um the like all good questions, there's the answer is yes and no. Mm. So Um, things to take into consideration next time is that let's say, for example, the only issue was the OP and the next baby in the early stages of labour was known to be um, in a much better position, then you would expect that labour to go much faster Mm. and much better and probably that baby to come out without even requiring Mm. um, uh, instrumentation. Uh, And that's something that can be looked at and felt for or scanned on ultrasound in the early, early-ish phases of the labour. But remember, looking at that in advance of the labour is not that useful because we want to know what positions the baby is in when the labour going, not mm. two days before. Two days before, the head might be able to pivot. It might look OP one minute and away the next.
0: Right.
1: You know, for, um, looking for front ways one minute and looking backwards the next. We're, we're interested in the position in labour. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, and and the the size is highly re- relevant as well. So the things that, that something I would take into consideration if if I was considering a second um, vaginal birth after that birth would be how how big's this baby thought mm. to be? Okay, and even taking into taking into consideration the known the known issues with inaccuracy of a term ultrasound, we should be able to chart the growth of this baby over the course of the pregnancy, and. Work out at least whether we think this baby is roughly less than four kilos or roughly more. Mm. Yeah,
0: if if the baby's less than the four point two of the previous baby, yep. but you would just sort of think that that would would uh, proceed. But if if she has a an ultrasound that is predicting that the baby is bigger than four point two, yes, because sometimes subsequent babies are larger. Can be, Yeah. As a rule, are they larger or is that just by chance? No, just by chance. Yeah. yeah. So if the baby's more than 4.2, predicted to be more than that, um, what what do you think her
1: options are then? Well, then a careful discussion has to take place about how last time really went. Mm. Did we get away with last time without too much um, physical and mental trauma? Mm. Um, did the forceps delivery involve a, um, anal sphincter damage? Mm-hmm and all of those pieces of information we would need to know um if we were going to try and have yet again a very large baby vaginally
0: do you talk to people much about um I, I know that on the internet and everything there's a lot of optimal fetal positioning and and do you think that matters like you know is there anything anyone can do coming into the labor
1: i don't think so really mm. i think this is mostly fetal behavior yeah right and i don't, and i think it's 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 like the it's like the discussion we have with people about a breech baby and how to get the breech baby to turn around. It's very tempting to think that there's something you can do, sit, up you know, um, uh, spend time in the bath, jump, um, um, a certain type of exercise, um, whatever that might encourage breech baby to turn around. But in, but in the end, it's fetal behaviour. Mm. Um, the breech baby will turn, will kick itself around if it wants to, and won't, won't if it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, positioning um, at term is fetal behaviour and a bit of good or bad luck. Mm. I don't think there's anything we can do to help with it.
0: Wow, there's whole programs on how to get your baby in proper position. And it, Yes, I get
1: that. And I, and I think that those programs should, that we should concentrate on things we really can control, mm. like body weight at term, being a non-smoker. Mm. Uh, um, but can we really influence, I, I think the evidence is lacking that we can really influence the fetal position Mm. on the day of the labour.
0: All right. Well, good luck. I'm sure you're going to make some really great decisions about how your um, next birth is going to go. Um, And, yeah, we're here cheering for you. Good luck. All right, people, well, that is another Q&A done. Um, we had some really fabulous questions and, again, we just love you sending them in. So yep. keep them coming Yep. Um, and it really shows us what information we need to be helping you with.
1: Absolutely, and and uh, it helps us to provide information that's relevant to the people who are listening. Yeah,
0: and really directed. All right, well, have a really great week and we'll see you next week. Talk to you next time, everybody. Bye for now.